Welcome back. We are talking about the church at Thyatira, the letter to the church at Thyatira. We left off last week with Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. It says, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. So this could be one of those verses where you may look at it and say, hmm, I will kill her children. I don't want to be associated with a religion that is built on killing people. You may look at, or outsiders, unbelievers may use this verse and say, why would you want to be associated with the religion? No caring, loving God would do this. Well, let's walk through that. And let's also understand that many religions condone violence. That is not what this is talking about here, though. This is talking about Children, meaning offspring, they'll have the same eternal consequences as their mom. Not because of mom's inactions, but because of their own inactions. See, mom was a bad example. She was, she had idolatry. She used theft, lies, deception. She wanted power, money, status. She was going after worldly things, things that the world thinks were important. Her children, seeing that example... We're going to follow in her footsteps. And because God sees the beginning and the end, He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He sees everything. He knows the choices that her children will make. Will her, and now we're kind of looking back, but this can also be in the present, just looking around at any unbeliever today. Will anyone who doesn't presently have Christ in them? They haven't accepted Christ. Do they have an opportunity to accept Christ? Absolutely. How long does that opportunity last? Until they take their last breath on earth. Maybe that's 76.2 years or whatever the average life expectancy is for a given age and gender. But that's just an average. Most people don't hit that. That's not the median. Some people die at 112 or whatever. Some high up their number. Some at... 90-something. My grandma was about 98 when she passed. Some die in their 30s and 40s. I've had uh, relatives and friends die in their 30s and 40s. Some die at birth. We've lost two children um, at birth, one at full term and one at 15 weeks uh, pregnant. And my incredible wife, um, she's just incredible. But this is God seeing the future, knowing that her children would follow in their mom's footsteps and would not repent and turn to Jesus. You have the free will and the ability to accept Christ. And God knows if you will, but he doesn't force you not to. So that's what this is talking about. And it says that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. He knows everything about us. Then it says, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Unbelievers are judged for their works. Believers are rewarded for their works. So let's look at that for a minute, unpack that very briefly. So an unbeliever's works, their things against God, that's what they'll be judged for, the rejection of Christ, their lack of repentance. A believer's works will give them rewards in heaven. It won't change their eternal status. They're already saved the moment they were justified to have eternal life, and justification happens at the moment they accept Christ, and the rest of their life, they have eternal life. It doesn't go away. It can't be snatched away. And the works that they do that are motivated for Christ, 
let's say that's 1% of their works that they do, or 10%, or 0.01%, pick a number. That's what they'll be rewarded for in heaven. Once they get there, they're already getting in the gate, if you will, for just to use this kind of imagery in your head, but it's what kind of reward will you have once you get there, and that'll be based on our works. Verse 24, Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put you on, I will put on you no other burden. So it says, as many as you do not have this doctrine, and this is talking about the false false doctrine of Jezebel. It says, who have not known the depths of Satan. So this could be that mystery of the false cultic Babylonian religion and kind of the people who say, we alone have this truth. There are people who make up things and mysticize and say, well, this means this because I think, and we're in a culture that, and I want to fit in, or they try to scare you in one way or another to get you to follow them. Many occults were founded upon these similar principles, and they're all built on Satan. They may not recognize that they're worshiping Satan. There's a lot of really genuine, caring people. Who are following Satan unknowingly. And Jesus will say to them, God will say to them, get away from me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. I never knew you. Right? So people say, God, look at my works. Look at what I did. I, uh, I did this. I went and told these people about Jesus. And I told them about purgatory. And I told them about being able to rule my own planet and being the God of my own planet. And God's going to look at them and say, I told you not to add anything to the Bible, not to take anything away. This is my infallible, inerrant word. This is what you are to tell people about and demonstrate. Not adding stuff, not adding other books. Get behind me, Satan. And that's exactly how it's going to go down. So those are the depths of Satan. You're either on God's team or you're against them. There's no in-between. And you can't say, well, I like this team, but I think we need to add a couple more players. I think... 11 players on the football field is not right. I think we actually need 17. And God says, no, it was 11. Or in basketball, I'm just making up analogies, it's five. You don't come onto the court with eight people saying you wanted to add to it and you think it needed to be added to because the rules were incomplete originally and you completed the rules. No, 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 no. God has stern warnings for people to, who add to or take away from the Bible. And he says in verse 18... Uh, And the back half of 24, I will put on you no other burden. Well, he tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So look at Matthew 11.30. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's in reference to uh, animals that would have the bit in their mouth and that was the yoke. The burden is light. He doesn't put us on on this as burden. You don't have to do these works. You don't have to crawl on your knees. You don't have to say or recite a verse or some kind of something over and over or or rub beads or walk around a certain structure in order to be forgiven. No, 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 no. He says, my burden is light. All you have to do is humble yourself and submit yourself to say that I am Lord and Jesus died on the cross for me. That's all you have to do. And that's why the burden is so light. There's nothing else required beyond that. Once your heart is regenerated and you have a regenerated soul, then and Christ indwelling you, the Holy Spirit indwelling you, then you have a renewed spirit. 
then you have the desire to do Christ's works. Not the burden of doing the works. You're going to want to do them. Verse 25, but hold fast what you have till I come. And we know that he's coming. He, at the rapture, who will be in the clouds, that's not considered his second coming. You have the church age which we're in. It'll end with the rapture. Right after that, whether it's immediate moments, hours, or days, I think it's one of those. Then the tribulation will start. That'll be seven years. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, God will come. That's the second coming, the second advent, and that'll usher in the millennial kingdom where we reign with as kings and priests with Jesus on earth for a period of a thousand years. And it says, Hold fast till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works till the end, to him I will give the power of the nations. So, he's an overcomer. Jesus overcame. Because he overcame, we get to overcome. We are considered as overcomers because we are in Christ. And John fifteen nineteen says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we can expect to be persecuted. We can expect to be hated by the world because they go after worldly things, and we're going after godly things as believers. But don't be afraid. He says, count it all joy when you go through trials, knowing various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or it produces perseverance, depending on the translation that you look at. So our works of Christ are to be in contrast to the works of Jezebel. Verse 26 continues, it says, And he who overcomes and keeps my works till the end, to him I will give the power of the nations. So we should have, once we accept Christ, the faith and love to serve Jesus. And that's the motive that lasts. And it's the one for which we'll be rewarded at the Bema Seat of Christ. Believers don't go to the Great White Throne Judgment. They go to the Bema Seat of Christ. We'll talk about that later. And remember that you don't earn your rewards by your work, uh, by works, but your works, uh, let me, let me rephrase that. You will be rewarded in heaven for your works that are motivated for Christ. Your works on earth don't get you into heaven, don't have any bearing on your salvation. They have it bearing on your heavenly reward. What they do on earth is they demonstrate the reality of our faith. They demonstrate the reality of our faith. And it says, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like potter's vessels. When the Lord sets up his kingdom, it will be a righteous kingdom with perfect, perfect justice. He will rule with a rod of iron. And we can go back to Psalm 2, 8, and 9 to see that. It says, ask of me and I will give to you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. So the potters back in the day when they were making pottery, if they had one that didn't work out, wasn't what they wanted it to be, they'd toss it out there, let's say their back or their side yard, and it would just shred to pieces. And so there was broken pottery all over the place. And that's the potter's vessels. And I'll finish this. And it says, And I also have received from my father, and I will give to him the morning star. And... So it says, I will give to him the morning star. Jesus Christ is the bright morning star. The promise in Revelation 2.28, which says, And I will give him 
the morning star. It suggests that God's people shall be so closely identified with Christ that he will belong to them. Also look at Satan. Satan is the great counterfeiter. He tried to be the morning star. He tries to be light, but he's false light. He's the prince of the air and the ruler of this world presently because God gave him that privilege for the time being um, for a variety of reasons. But Satan, Lucifer, that word Lucifer in Hebrew means brightness. It means bright star. So he's the great counterfeiter. He tries to counterfeit Jesus in this. And remember, you don't counterfeit something that's false. You counterfeit something that's real. So no one counterfeits a $3 bill because there's no such thing as a $3 bill. They counterfeit a $100 bill because that's valuable and true. Satan doesn't try to counterfeit and replicate something that's false. He tries to counterfeit and replicate something that's true, which is Jesus. But he will fail in the end. Well, I guess he will succeed to some degree because many people choose to follow him into the lake of fire. But Jesus makes it easy. He says, my burden is light. You don't earn your way to heaven. All you do is accept that I was your substitute on the cross and my blood will atone for your sins. Lord, thank you for these deep truths. Help us not just to hear them, first to hear them, because you say, let who who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let us hear this. Let us absorb it. Let us contemplate it. Let us meditate on it. Let us pray about it. Let us talk to you, Lord, and give us the truth. Be that in our conscience, be that in a vision, be that in a dream, be that in a desire to want to read about you more, to talk to people, to go to church, to be in community, Lord, to learn the truths that you have to tell us. May we have those ears to hear. Transform us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Now it's time to go and make disciples, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to show people who Jesus is so that we have the right to tell them who Jesus is. I'd encourage you to share this by social media, text, or email with someone who you think could benefit from learning more about the Word of God. Have a blessed day.